Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. You're listening to Booth Talk from the After Movie Diner. And although we've had some really rather impressive guests and interesting and fascinating and funny and weird and wonderful guests here on Booth Talk over the years, I never quite imagined that I'd be saying uh, this next sentence. Uh, we are incredibly happy and uh, overjoyed, one might say, uh, to introduce Steve the Goots Gutenberg uh, into Booth Talk today to talk mainly about the movie Diner, but in general to talk about uh, all sorts of things around his career. Uh, anyone who grew up in the 80s or 90s knows Steve Gutenberg all too well from the movie franchise Police Academy. Uh, Cocoon, Short Circuit, Three Men and a Baby, you name it. Uh, The man was in everything and had back-to-back hits uh, all through the 80s and into the 90s. So uh, it really is just an absolute thrill uh, to speak to Steve the Goots Gutenberg today uh, all about his career. And this interview serves as a companion piece to a podcast we did over on the After Movie Diner podcast all about the film Diner. So when you get done listening to Steve Gutenberg talk about the film, head on over to AfterMovieDiner.com or the After Movie Diner podcast and take a listen to me and Jay Mayo talking all about the film from 1982, Diner. If you like this interview and you've been enjoying the Booth Talk interviews lately, please don't forget to spread the word. Word of mouth really does matter for shows like ours. So retweet, like, share, comment, Tell a Facebook friend, tell a family member, whatever it is about Booth Talk from the After Movie Diner. And don't forget to rate and review us wherever that is possible on your podcasting platforms. Anyway, without further ado, uh, this incredible conversation with the Goots Gutenberg. This is just a real pleasure for me. I'm a big fan of your work, and uh, yeah, just a a real pleasure to be talking to you today. So thank you for agreeing to be on the After Movie Diner. I just wanted to actually start off talking about After Movie Diner. I wanted to start off talking about the movie Diner. It's one of the things that uh, got me interested in in, in wanting to talk to you. I had been re-watching it lately, um, and oh, man, what Uh what a great film, right? Yeah, it was a great movie. It was... You know, uh, I think it was the um, Vanity Fair voted it the most impressive movie of the last 30 years. Um, And it was uh, very special because it it created a new way of filmmaking that um, hadn't been seen uh, since sort of um, maybe since great foreign directors worked. Barry was able to work like a foreign director. He was able to use overlapping when people did their single shots 
um, there was uh, a, a rhythm to the um, to the cast, to the ensemble, where um, everybody felt that they were um, you were following each and every story, and each and every story was important. But it was an ensemble piece. Um, oh, definitely, yeah. And and I just uh, I felt that the you know you had you know you had. Ten very very hungry actors. You had a, a a director who was starting the peak of his career, um, and uh, and and also a lot a lot of it was luck. You know, we got very lucky. Um, MGM was not going to release it because they felt it wasn't uh, actually a, a terrific teen movie, um, which it wasn't, and it wasn't going to bring in that Porky's crowd, uh, which they wanted. Um, and, uh, and Barry and, uh, Mark Johnson's, I think his mother, the producer, Mark Johnson, his mother or his cousin was friendly with Pauline Kale, who lived upstate New York. Yeah. And, uh, I think, I think she spoke to, I think he's, his, his mother or something to that effect spoke to Pauline Kale and said, you know, my son made this great movie and they won't release it. And I guess Pauline Kale said, let me take a look at it. Because I like Barry Levinson, I know who he is. She looked at it and uh, she invited Barry up to show it at her class up upstate. I think it's Katona, I think. Um, anyway, he showed it. She uh, she wrote. She said, "You know what? Screw it. I'm going to write a review about it, even if it's not being released." So she wrote a review in the New Yorker, and um, it took off. You yeah. know, it's it's opened at the Angelica in New York City, one of the you know the best theaters in New York, which is actually now a catering hall. Um, and the movie took off, and you know created a a jumping off point for all of our careers. So we, you know, I'm very very grateful to the movie. Yeah, but no, back back in the time when uh, you know those those key critics were were you know those critics we know the names of could really make or break a movie. I think that 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 time was sort of fascinating. And like you say, it doesn't have the the Porky's vibe to it. it. If anything, it sort of leads the way for movies like The Outsiders and things like that, and sort of those ensemble teen movies that would come later um, that are more dramatic and less um, salacious, let's say. I mean, I suppose it does... There, there is a, a, an alternate reality where Dinah was sold on the back of the popcorn scene, I guess, if they wanted to really sell it like a, a Porky's movie, but I'm really glad they didn't go that way. <laughs> no, the... There was a guy named, um, I'm not going to say his name, but he worked at MGM and he just said, this movie's crap. I'm not releasing it, oh, putting man. it on the shelf. We're taking a, lo taking a loss. But it's, it, what's really terrific um, is that it created a new sort of subgenre. Yeah. And, um, and people really uh, got into it. And, they, and filmmakers exploded with all these ensemble, talky movies coming of age um, stuff and, and, and things like that yeah yeah and you'll just see you know they're they're not that people ripped it off but they were inspired from it so they created their own uh, manner of filmmaking where it was cool you know a small circle of friends and movies like that um 
you know, where you could just have a bunch of people sitting around talking, and it's interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can draw a line and, from uh, something like Dinah to St. Elmo's Fire and all those kind of movies that came in between, even stuff like yeah. Stand By Me and Breakfast Club and things where they kind of put together um, ensembles, and, and it was more about the emotion and the characters than it was necessarily about, um, you know, anything... Like I say, too salacious or too action-packed. It was just about their characters. And uh, I think it's funny yeah. sometimes that we forget we're all living those kinds of lives. And and if we right. only watch escapist movies or escapist theater, um, it, it doesn't really cover that cathartic emotion that we need to sometimes have when we're watching uh, art, you know? Yeah, well put. Um, and it's the art that actually changes society. But let's be realistic. Why do, we, why do we go to the movies? We go to the movies to escape. You know, the world has always been a dramatic and tumultuous place. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, whether it's Greek drama or it's Shakespeare and it's the old globe uh, or it's, you know, watching Family Feud um, or watching, uh, you know, The Price is Right television show, or, you know, uh, or, uh, you know, Two Broke Girls, or, you know, uh, you know something, a police academy. Um, these are very, very necessary um, distractions. Oh, I agree. Because uh, they're very necessary, you know. So, you know, uh, years ago in the 50s, these, these uh, superhero movies which I would love to be part of because they're very successful. They were B movies, you know, uh, Captain Marvel and, uh, um, oh, gee whiz, you know, Creature of the Black Lagoon, Superman, Batman. These were B movies, um, you know, uh, The Invisible Man, all these. And um, Universal was putting them out, The Werewolf, you know, and they were, you know, just sort of, you know, kiddie movies. And now it's turned, now look how it's turned around. Because we don't have anybody in society to look up to anymore. So we look up to an imaginary person who has imaginary values. Yeah. These, you know, there's a great article that came out in the New York Times the other day about the selfishness, selfishness of America. Yeah. And maybe perhaps the world. We've just become incredibly selfish. Uh, that's why everyone's taking a selfie. Look at me. Look at me. Yeah. Look at me on Facebook. Look at me on Twitter. Look at me on Instagram. Look at me on TikTok. Look at me how I dance. Look at me. Look at me. Yeah. You know, I, I really have, I realize what happens to our world is people want to save the rainforest. They want to save the gorilla. They want to save the environment. They could not care less about the people next, about the people next door. And, 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 and that's a real, you know, issue. Um, so getting back to, you know, a movie like Diner, these are stories about people talking. And if you have the patience to watch it or watch a movie about people talking, you actually, at the end of it, you go, wow, that was great. It's like sort of like a teenager going to a, uh, a, a history class he doesn't want to go to. And he really doesn't want to. He'd rather go to gym and play dodgeball right? or, you know, climb, climb up a rope or something. But once he sits there and he hears about the, 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 the intricacies of uh, – of, of the English manner, or he listens to stories about the French revolution. All of a sudden he says, wait a minute, that was kind of, I just sat there for an hour and I liked it. And, um, but, but we can't get away with that. The fact that movies are 
about escaping. And, you know, uh, Europe has always used movies to change society. Um, and, uh, uh, and we escape now, you know, whether it's, you know, listen, you can watch Captain America and, uh, and think that you've learned some sort of a lesson, but it really is about an imaginary person. Yeah. It's really well, not about a real person. But I think you know? that's why something like Dinah, which is, which is interesting because even in the eighties, because it was a, a, um, you know, a vintage film. It was set in a previous time. It was a historic film in that regard, um, in its setting. Um, it always stays relevant in the sense that, but it, and also, it also always teaches the fact that, you know, human nature really doesn't change, whether it's the 18th century, the 1950s, or now. Um, and relationships and human relationships sort of will, will always be this, fascinating tangle um and 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 sort of fascinating area for comedy for art so in a weird way because it's set in the 50s and we're now so far away from that both ideologically yeah. but also uh, uh techno technologically it it is an escape in its own way you escape back to the americana of it all do you know what i mean so that there, there is an escapist yeah. element to watching it i think in 2020 how, how did the how did the role of eddie simmons come to you originally how what were you what were you doing and how did the how did the movie come to you oh it was a natural uh, actor's uh, access to it uh my agent called me and said there's a part in this movie called diner and uh, we want to give you an audition. That was it. You that know? was it, yeah. I showed up to Wilshire, yeah, Wilshire Boulevard to Jerry Weintraub's office, and I auditioned uh, for Barry Levinson. You know, it, it's kind of cool, you know, in those days. Well, I don't know, maybe, maybe still, but very rarely. The audition process is much different today. Um, very few times do you show up in person. Now it's a self-tape or et cetera. But... Um, in those days, you know, you met the director the first time. Yeah. Whereas now, you know, you'll meet an assistant casting director or something to that effect, and if they like you, then you'll move on to the next one. But this time, actually, Barry was, like, sitting right there. You met him, and uh, we had a conversation, and I read the material, and he said, okay, come on back. Came on back and did it again, and he said, okay, I'm going to set up a screen test. And uh, I think the screen test was in New York, so I went to New York, and I think I screen tested with with uh, with with um, with Tim Daly and Danny Stern, I think. Yeah. But also uh, a, a guy named um, John Doe was actually in the running for Boogie Mickey's part. Yeah. And he was a mus musician in the group called X. Oh, wow. Um, okay. And, yeah, he was like a really cool, tough-looking guy. <laughs> um, and then, the, the, you know, then, then I got the call that I got the part. And uh, it was really funny. I, I, I had a little bit of heat before the movie, uh, before we started the movie. I did a, a television movie called Miracle on Ice. Yeah. Which was about uh, the uh, Olympic team, the hockey team. I also did a movie called uh, Can't Stop the Music, which was with the Village People yep. and K Caitlyn Jenner, who was Bruce then. Um, and uh, so the deal was, I thought this was a really cool story. The deal was, uh, and, and Mickey had done Body Heat. Um, so the deal was, I could take 30000 
and take first position in the credits or 35,000 and take second position in the credits. And I remember I was sitting at this, I think I had a little house and I had a friend over named Mike Binder, who's a, a, a director mm-hmm. now, very talented, talented guy. So I get the phone call, and I get the job, and uh, my manager tells me, here's the deal. And, and I say, well, I'll take second position and more money. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and Mike Binder goes, no, no way. No way, you're taking first position, less money. I go, no, 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 I want the money. And then my manager says, well, no. Mickey Rourke wants second position. He wants the money. And we were fighting about <laughs> who would take second position, which we both wanted. We wanted the money. Oh, that's so, funny. So uh, I lost out. I, got, I had first position with less money. And, you know, 35, 40 years ago, $5,000 probably was, you know, what maybe 15000 is now. So yeah, it was a but- little bit of money. <clears throat> But it certainly set you up for a decade that saw you have tremendous success after tremendous success um, as a leading man. So um, I think that probably worked in your favor uh, eventually. Not that Mickey didn't have a great career as well, but, uh, uh, you know, you you, you really did uh, take over that decade and make it your own. Um, Could you relate at all to someone, your character, uh, who would quiz his wife-to-be on sports before agreeing on the wedding? Like, was that could what was your inroad into sort of understanding and relating to that character? Well, I I would say I have a few friends who I grew up with who are a bit obstinate, and I'm actually kind of a stubborn person. Um, I'm sort of a I don't mind. I'll stay in my room. I don't need this. Um, so I I think that the I related to test, which was a sort of the last test before you say, okay, you know, this ship can sail. Uh, so it was a tough test, you know, <laughs> and, it, and actually I think it was based on truth. Yeah. Barry said that his, co- I think his cousin actually did this sort of test. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, so sure. Listen, it was acting. Yeah. By the way, everything everything is acting. Yeah. Whether you're playing, you know, Mahatma Gandhi and getting the Academy Award like Lord or Sir Ben Kingsley got, it's acting. So, yeah. you know, you I acted it. But, you know, you try to relate as much as you can. And if you're a method actor, you know, you try to bring it back to some experiences you have. But... You know, at the end of the day, it's all acting. Yeah, no, I, I, I think what it is, that's a character that could walk a fine line. I mean, you could, in a weird way, you play it a different way, you could lose the audience, you know what I mean? You could come off as a bit of an ass, but I think yeah. your sense of humor, but also your understanding of being able to play the character's insecurities um, actually really help kind of sell the character. And it's interesting to me because there's that scene, obviously, where he's fixated with football and uh, Daniel Stern's character who is obviously passionate about music, you know, you jump forward to something like high fidelity and, and you yeah. look at the idea of a male's relationship with the things that he loves, whether that's music, whether yeah. that's film, whether that's um, 
uh, football. And those themes, again, it's, it's sort of that universal theme. Men tend to have those interests in a weird way that they're kind of oddly passionate about in maybe a way and i'm not saying women don't have it as well but uh uh, it seems to be something that's a through line there don't you agree oh yeah absolutely you know we i think men are warriors and when you can go into the barn close the door and uh your hobby uh do something that has nothing to do with pillaging the next town um there's a safety in it there's a safety in danny stern's music yeah you know shreeby's shreeby's music there's a safety in sports as i said it's like movies it's a great distraction from pillaging and competing uh so you know i think we can all understand it uh you know, some people don't have hobbies. I, I don't really have any hobbies myself. I'd like to always pick one up, but the way my life is led, it's, I don't have time to sit and play the guitar or things like that. It's just how my life is. But but um, you, you made your hobby in a way, or yeah. you made your passion your career. You know what I mean? You made your the yeah. the acting passion your career, I guess. So yeah. in in terms of playing with that ensemble, that ensemble cast, did you know any of the guys before going in? Had you guys met on the theater circuit or on the film circuit? And I, both during the film and post the film, were there any relationships and friendships made that, that last? Uh, I didn't know any of the guys beforehand, but we all sort of stayed in touch. Um, I don't, we're all not very, very close, but we recently had a Zoom uh, all of us, and it was really terrific. Danny Stern put it together. Oh wow! Um, and yeah, well, he he sent out an email to all of us, and we kind of, I'd say once or twice a year, we talk a little bit on the on a group email. And um, Paul Reiser will do it. He just did um, he did uh, his television show, um, and with Mike Douglas, Michael Douglas, and. There was a scene where they were watching Diner on the tele in, in the part of the uh, the screenplay. Oh, part the Kaminsky of the tele- method, tele- yeah, tele- yeah, yeah. Right. So they're watching Diner. So he wrote us all, and we all commented. Um, I tell you what happened is when I did get in contact with the guys. You know, when you when you talk to guys, you know, a long, long time, even yeah. if you haven't picked it up for a while. There's a terrific feeling of well, nostalgia, um, but sort of a safety that these guys know you and maybe they'll always have your back. Um, and uh, whether it's true or not, it's kind of a nice feeling to know. Because, you know, a lot of times on movies, the great time part about pictures is that you spend a lot of time with people. You become pretty intimate and... You do become friends. And the fact, I, I, you know, I, I've sort of changed my position on friendship. I used to think friends are only really good friends. Those are friends. Well, you know, you can make that distinction and say, listen, I have five real friends. Of course. But there are golf friends. There are exercise friends. There are coffee friends. There are different type of friends. You're, not that you have to be best friends with everybody. Right. So uh, you do create these relationships with people these friendships 
that, you know, after the movie, you go back to what your life was. And sometimes you stay friends with people, especially when you're younger. I think you are able to create these new friendships. But as you get older, you do an intense picture together. And then, you know, sometimes you don't see each other for years because you have other, you have, you have lives. Yeah. My mom and dad always say to me about people, you know, you go, oh, I haven't heard from this guy. Well, he's got a life. <laughs> you know, we all have lives. Right. You know? well, that's and, a great way to put it. Stop, stop yeah, expecting you, you that someone you know, sat around thinking about you all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're not going to, they just don't have time. They got a lot of their kids. They got things to do. Yeah. And no one has time. And it's nothing, nothing against you. Just no one has time. So, you know, the, so um, we've, we've all stayed in touch and, um, it's, uh, and I've seen Mickey, the only guy who hasn't, we haven't on our text group text is Mickey. We don't have Mickey on there. Um, and I would like to, and you know, whenever I see him, he's pretty terrific. You know, yeah. he's, uh, you know, he's a very, very deep soul and, you know, good guy. And, you know, he's going through his stuff and, you know, also being an actor and being famous and, you know, for, for any actor, it really is, uh, you know, it could really you know put you off balance. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a, just a very, uh, it's a very uh, unnatural, unless you're Caesar or Napoleon, you know, and then you have that kind of fame. Yeah. Um, but you're an actor and you're famous and you, you, either you start to believe it yourself or, you know, you start craving more of it and, you know, it, it definitely plays with your head. And I think it also plays with the head of your family and your friends. You know, like I have some friends who are superstar actors and I'll go, Hey, let's go bowling. You guys like, Oh, you know, I don't know. Cause you know, and I think, Oh shit, man, I want to go bowling. I don't want to, you know, sit around all day. Right. I want to go do something, you know, and I, and I'm famous, but I don't get mobbed. Right. Um, but I have some friends who, you know, you'll go and then, there'll be 20 people lined up for an audit, you know, an autograph. And I understand that they're not that thrilled with that, but it's like, Oh shit, man, can't just sit in the room all day. I mean, let's go do something, you know? And I actually have a famous friend who I said, Hey, let's meet at a mall. You know, we're going to have coffee or something in New York. Yeah. So I was a little late and he was waiting about 10 minutes and there were a few people around him asking for autographs or whatever. He goes, Oh man, you left me, you left me here. And I, you know, you know, get a mo- I'm like, <laughs> I'm a person. I got, I was 10 minutes late and I, you know, I'm sorry. You're, you know, I'm not sorry you're famous, but I'm, you know, what am I supposed to do? Man? We can't, we can't sit. We can't listen. We can't sit in your penthouse, your, your 10,000 square foot penthouse on fifth Avenue all fucking day. Yeah. Right. We got to like go do something. Actually, by the way, bro, you do, you do go to the bathroom. So it's not like you're not, you know, you know, you're not a God, you know, no. I mean, let's try to do something normal. But what I'm saying is, you know, fame and, and, uh, and fortune, you know, really plays sometimes a little havoc on a person, you know? Yeah, no, I was going to say, it's, it's funny. Um, I, I will always think of one of the reasons why my show is called After Movie Diner is I always think of diners as the great equalizers. Anyone can kind of go into a diner. I think the one person or the peoples who can't go into a diner are the super famous you can't just go sit down and have you know eggs and hash or whatever because uh uh like you say you'll get mobbed um so just just quickly steve if this is okay i just wanted to also ask you you've been in two other uh ensembles that are sort of iconic at this point obviously one is 
Police Academy, um, and the other one is Three Men and a Baby. Uh, those two uh, great ensemble casts. What were they like to work with? Um, what were the differences uh, in, in in those two casts? And again, were there bonds made there that kind of continued on? Oh yeah, you know both uh, Police Academy. Uh, we just lost Marion Ramsey. Yeah, I'm so sorry to hear away. about that. That was that was so very sad about that. We posted about that yesterday. That's that was tragic, and I'm sorry to hear that. So uh, yeah, but we've kept in touch with all the police academy people and and three men. You know, uh, Tom, Ted, and I just had a Zoom together because nice. um, Ted had a, a fundraiser, yeah. um, which you can probably find online, and it was great to see these guys again. Um, I, I, I do think that if I do think that it would have been great to do another picture with Tom and Ted, and I still think that there's uh, another police academy with the original cast involved. Um, but I, you know, we do stay in touch. But as I said, you know, it's we all have our lives, and you know, you know, it's hard enough to make room for your not your civilian friends, you know. And then, so, you know, what you do is you see each other when you see each other. And when you do, you pick it up right there and, hey, how you doing? How's everything? And, you know, you've had some really cool, intimate conversations. So it's kind of fun to know each other that well. Um, but lots of stuff has ha- happened since you've talked. Yeah, you know? yeah. So people change also. People do change. You know, they evolve. And were you the driving so, force behind the Lava the Lantula reunions? Or was that already kind of the plan through sci-fi when those were made? No, that was, that was me. Because, you know, they, they were... You know, Lava Lantula was a, you know, spy, giant spider movie. Yeah. And, um, and I, kind of, I kind of felt that I didn't do this when I had the power to help a lot of my friends get jobs. Um, you know, when you're young or no excuses, I didn't do it. And I, not that I have many regrets, but it is one of the regrets. I have a lot of friends who needed work. And I, on the pictures I was on, I should have, instead of using people that I didn't know, used all the people I knew. Um, so I respect a lot of actors who do that, who have, who are the leads of their movies and are able to do that. So I thought at the time, I said, you know, I saw Tawny uh, Welch, and I, uh, we, we, we caught up a little bit, and I thought, wow, what a really cool little cameo it would be, and, and give her and Tyrone some work, mm. you know, and any of the other guys from Cocoon. And then I thought about, you know, Michael Winslow and Leslie and Marion, and, you know, I just said, let me just, you know, it would be really fun, and it would be great for me, because fun for me and also great for the picture because when you do these little um put these easter eggs in in movies people the audience loves yeah. it um but i also thought wow give them a you know a little bit of work and that's a good thing and it's it's really hard being an artist and it's a cold cold ass business but you know especially when you're you're not working yeah. and uh if you can help somebody you know it's not charity because these are talented people but it's like, hey, man, you know, you know how to row a boat. I got a part for a guy who knows how to row a boat. Why don't I give it to you? Right. You know, you're my buddy. So that, those were great. So, yeah, it was my idea. It, it was a lot it's of fun. A, yeah. 
Um, it was a lot of fun okay. to see those guys come back. As I say, I'm a big fan of the Police Academy franchise, and um, hopefully we can uh, talk again in the future and go over those movies. But th- talking about Diner today was a real pleasure with you, and thank you um, again for wow. agreeing to be on the show. Um, it's it's It means a ton to uh, not only film fans, but people who are out there trying to create their own um, niche and do their own creativity to have uh, people like yourself um, support us in small ways. So I just want to say a big thanks for that. Yeah, you know, uh, there's, a, there's a great poem called If by Rudyard Kipling. And I always say to people in the arts, take a look at that poem. It'll inspire you. And it's very, very hard to be an artist, make a living as an artist, you know, whether you're a sculptor, a painter, a writer, an actor, a dancer. It's tough. So, you know, keep trying to be inspired. Keep looking at books and music and and quotations that inspire you, you know, and, um, and, 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 and somehow be happy with your lot, you know, with, you know, if you're selling paintings on the corner or you're selling them at a gallery, you know, be happy with your lot. Uh, you know, the, the tortured artist has a place, but it's much better to be, I think a, a well-balanced artist. Oh, I agree 100%. And uh, yeah, so so thank you very much for that. And if you want to let anyone know uh, before you ring off uh, either what you're working on or what's coming up or what people can expect, um, that would be great. Oh, right now, you know, I've got a few pictures that are um, playing on VOD. One's Original Gangster, uh, where I play a, a villain. And I play another sort of villain in another movie called um, Break Even. And these are small pictures, but... I enjoyed making them. I did a movie over in London called Heckle, which I really enjoyed playing a very dark character. Um, and, uh, and right now, you know, I, I, I have small parts on a, a hit television series called The Goldbergs. Oh, yeah, I'm a um, fan of that. But, uh, you know, I'm a guy looking for my next job and looking to uh, make some noise and to shine and get a, get a great part where people... I uh, can see what I can do. Um, and, you know, uh, and all of a sudden, you know, things turn around. You know, it's a funny game. That's what's great about being an actor. You know, if you're, if you're an athlete, you only have a certain amount of time in your career. But if you're an actor and you stay in the game, you know, sometimes the race is not always to the swift, but to those who keep on running. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, the renaissance of the Gutenberg is about to happen. I can feel it most definitely. Um, <laughs> Really could. Can't wait. Yeah. Can't wait, sir. Can't wait. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you ever so much, Steve, for your time today. This was a real pleasure again, as I said. And uh, all the all the best in the future. And uh, if there's any truth to those Acada, uh, Police Academy Eight uh, rumors, then I will be first in line for a ticket. That's terrific. Thanks so much. Thanks. Thanks for putting me on. No worries. Take care, Steve. Bye now. Well, there we go. What a fantastic conversation there with Steve the Goots Gutenberg. Really had a lot of fun with that one. Uh, Really enjoyed it, as you could hear on the show. If you've enjoyed this interview and any of the other interviews that you've heard on Booth Talk from the After Movie Diner, then please do not forget to rate, review, share, like, comment, tell your friends. Word of mouth and uh, social media sharing really, really, really does help with a program like this and we have got a back catalog of interviews that i think are just fantastic so take a listen to our back catalog uh subscribe to the show 
uh, rate and review it, share it, and uh, support us. And if you would like to support us financially, uh, you can over at patreon.com forward slash aftermoviediner. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash aftermoviediner for just a dollar a show. And that would be phenomenal as well. Anyway, that's enough from me. Uh, Look forward to future interviews here on Booth Talk. Thanks very much and have a great week. (laughs) 